welcome to the GNT Show. Once again, I'm joined by my host with the most, a man who's been to every single stadium in Australia and has parked his car in the car park and then lost it after the game. Gee, how are you this week? I can't really remember that happening once. It's possible, but not really. I haven't been to every stadium. You're more likely to have been to every stadium than me, but I'm pretty good, thanks. What, what can we say about another week in the world of the NRL? You, you blink and you miss it. Anthony Griffin's the new Saints coach. Massive blow-up between News Corp and Channel 9 slash Fairfax this week with Andrew Webster and Danny Widler on one side and Paul Kent and, the News, and Buzz Rothfield on the other. Andrew Abdo came out and said that the coffers of the NRL are likely to take a $400 million hit to 2022. That's not much, is it? <laughs> well, it sounds like a lot. <laughs> they, they're negotiating with the Players Union at the moment for the salary cap for the next couple of years. I suspect that's going to take a decent hit. I think Chad Townsend, we've had a boom in send-offs this year, three this year, and Chad Townsend was the latest. Russell Packer and Josh Reynolds left the game early because it was 11 degrees outside. SBW returned, and I think the ads ran for longer than he was on the pitch. The, there was a rumour around Josh Papali returning home to Queensland. There was drama at the Dogs and Phil Gould telling Trent Bannett, Barrett to backflip on the coaching role. So just another quiet week in the NRL. Where do you want to start? I know you've got a few views on uh, people leaving the game early in spring when it's 14 degrees. Hey, hey listen. When you're 20, you're standing there watching your team play in the middle of winter. Remember going to win, the cold air is blowing off, off the water. You're freezing to death. You think it's a good day out. When you get to about 30, you kind of think to yourself, what the hell am I doing? Josh Reynolds and Russell Packer have reached at that age. It's 11 degrees, so I'm leaving. So I, don't, I can't blame them. I, really, I was the other way. I thought it was terrible. Just a terrible thing to leave the game like that you know from our football on friday afternoons a lot on saturday afternoons sorry a lot of the time you stick around to watch the other teams play i think it's just endemic of the problems at that club they stuck around till half time they stuck around till half time and missed their amazing comeback on a serious note it's a bit weird that you'd stick around to half time and then take off but i think it does show that there's massive problems and they they're two of the players that seem to be on the outer dropped coming into the team week to week so I'd imagine there's a little bit of you know a little bit of history between them and probably um Maguire in the background there they are two of the highest paid players at the club too uh, so yeah, yeah I mean let's be honest they've been asked to leave and find a club every week for the last couple you know a couple of months so I mean how welcome are they being made to feel as well there there is another side to it mate they're still getting paid 800 grand a year they are. I think I'd turn up to Lighter Land if I got paid. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I think the threshold would be six hundred grand. Eight hundred, eight hundred grand <laughs> a year, and you got to no. sit through forty minutes of football at Brookvale, which is a great ground to watch footy at, albeit the yeah. amenities aren't great. I just think, I just think it's a really bad look. It doesn't look good. You know, if I was getting paid under five hundred grand, I'm not sure if I could go to Lighter Land. And what, what did, you, <laughs> what did you think of SBW? Do you know what I honestly think happened? I think he got so tired doing burpees at halftime because he was warming up doing burpees. They're hard, right? That by the time he ran onto the field, he was so puffed out. He played 10 minutes and then came off. Big fan of Sonny Bill, but geez, what an anticlimax. <laughs> Are you drunk? You're, you've gone off on a random tangent very early. What random tangent? Other than the footage from the commercials, I saw him warming up doing burpees. 
They showed everything he was doing on the sideline. Thanks. Well, okay, so thanks for that. But I've got some facts for you, uh, which is interesting because someone's got to bring some class and analysis to this show. Please. Well, we, that means we need another host. Who is that? <laughs> correct, correct. That's true. That's probably true. So it's the most most streamed NRL game ever. Wow. And the fifth most watched NRL event in pay TV history. Really? That's, yep. that's actually incredible if you think about that with all the games that have gone in the past. It's not quite the analysis of him doing burpees, warming up, but, you know, it, it, is, it is a fact and something about the game. So, um, ironically, or not ironically, but but the top game in pay TV history was actually Roosters Eels from round six this year. Interesting. Okay, that was a good game though. I wouldn't have thought that. You would have. I would have thought that some of the historical games would probably have rated a lot higher. But um, it, it's good sign. Some of those are good signs. I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about SBW and what I saw on the field and what you saw on the field. There, the fullbacks absolutely returned to form this week. Pappenhuysen. Ponga, Tedesco, RTS, they were all brilliant. But, w- but what did you think of Anthony Griffin being appointed Saints coach? Well, other than a friend of mine pointing out that, mythologically speaking, Griffins are the arch nemesis of dragons, which makes that an odd, <laughs> odd appointment. But are you, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you all there? Are you, are you okay? Um, you know dragons aren't real, right? Are you sure? What about the happy dragon from St. George? It's always on the sideline, the green green guy. No, um, sorry. <laughs> Anthony Griffin. Look, too many reports about issues with his man management in the background, players being very unhappy with his, his management style. So I, found, I find it's a bit of an odd appointment, but if you look at his records, not too bad, right? So maybe St. George thought, look, he's got the runs on the board. He's done in the past. He performed well at Brisbane for a while and then performed well at Penrith as well. Maybe they see something that that they think that their club will be different. Yeah, seems to be an appointment based on his previous record at two clubs. But I find it an odd one as well, considering some of the noise that's been around. So, So let me ask you a couple of questions around this. Is Anthony Griffin a win now coach or a developmental coach? Ooh, good question. That is a good question. Do you know what? I actually think if he's got a team that's, I suppose, a little bit undisciplined, a bit of a younger squad, I think he can mould them to have a good season or two. Uh, By the sounds of what you read and his directive coaching style, I'm not really sure if he's someone you can hang around for long term, but he might put enough discipline and structure, at least initially, to set it up in the right direction. He is there for two years. And that's when Flanagan comes off contract and maybe Dean Young will serve an apprenticeship over that time and take over. So maybe it's a short-term appointment just to put some things in order for the Dragons. Right. So if it's if he's there to mentor a younger coach like a Dean Young, then that, that, that makes more sense. But Shane Flanagan's there as well. So let me ask you another question about this because sometimes I wonder what head office is asking itself before it makes these appointments. Nothing against Anthony Griffin per se, but... but but Mary, Mary McGregor was the coach there up until recently. What do you think Mary was? What was Mary's weakness, do you think? From the sounds of it, the same weakness that Anthony Griffin has. It seemed to be a very rigid game plan, and it was always going to work. He'd do the same thing over and over till he had to throw it out the window, and then the team would play a little bit better. It was almost like I don't think there was any varied approach to his coaching style and he either worked or didn't if that made sense I don't think he made adjustments and so does that so therefore if he's got the same weakness as Mary McGregor does that then what does that give the Dragons as a coaching appointment Mary McGregor with hair 
Okay, Anthony Griffin, the, <laughs> ma- the, the Mary McGregor with hair. So it sounds like it's the same team. Don't know. Maybe they feel like he's going to be better with some of the younger players they've got in reserve. Well, okay. Well, if that's the case, and that that story I could buy as well, but therefore the, a lot of those old heads have got to go. They did play under him. Ben Hunt, Corey Norman. But that was a long time ago. You're a youngster. You do what the coach says to you're a 10-year veteran. Your perspective changes. Well, and, and I think those players are, uh, are probably coming towards the end rather than the beginning of their career. I've saved the best for last. Um, the dogs, more drama this week. God, okay. At least we're not boring off the field. Off the field, you are not boring. <laughs> you are the exact opposite of your footy field off the field. Oh, yeah. Footy team at off the field. Dra- at least there's drama. Hey, got to have something. Phil Gould on 100% footy last night said, Trent Barrett should backflip on that coaching role because he's on a hiding to nothing and it could ruin his reputation as a coach because the front office is in such disarray. There was articles today in both papers about the shenanigans going on between the league's club and the football club. This is a club in crisis. They've appointed Trent Barrett and then they thought they'd support him, give him a long contract, get young players in there, develop them, get their attack fixed. So then they recruited Blake Green. The, the, you know what this is? This is the um, the deep, dark forces that Donald Trump's talking about. I think they're controlling the Bulldogs. The deep state? Yeah, the deep state. Oh, my God. I don't know what to say. Like I said, at least the drama is not boring. It'll be interesting to see if there's an emergency EGM, which I doubt, but who knows. Phil Gould, I mean, look, Phil Gould has always had a gripe with the Bulldogs, deservedly so. Um, they did him quite dirty back in the late 80s to get Chris Anderson in as the coach. They, they, they sacked him after he won a premiership. Yeah, pretty much. No, well, there's a little bit more to that. They, he won the premiership, did a great job, and then they sort of deliberately started to, from what I remember reading, is they kind of deliberately started to weaken the team. So it would make him look like a worse coach, and they got rid of him. He was so terrible, he went to Penrith and won the comp two years later. But I think always held a grudge, and rightfully so. That's a long time. to. What One thing we do know about Phil Gould, he can hold a grudge. Oh, yeah, that's a long time ago. I don't know if he should backflip, but I think he's got to walk into there with his eyes wide open. I don't think it's as simple as it looks. There is some stuff happening behind the scenes from what, I mean, spilling out into the paper. And their recruitment and even some of the youngsters we have sort of coming through don't seem to fit or make sense. So... You know what I think we're going to see? We're going to see if Trent Barrett can coach up a team. I I think that's right. I think that's right. The Bulldogs, there's a lot of development that has to happen with some of those plays. We're going to find out how good Trent Barrett really is. I don't think there's many coaches like that in the league. I think Trent Robinson's one. I think Craig Bellamy's another. I actually think Brad Arthur's not too bad. If I look at Brad Arthur's coaching performances, players get better. You know who I think might be in that mold? Justin Holbrook. So far, Justin, yes, and um, a shout out for good old Jimmy D, Jimmy Dimmick. Is he sponsoring you? Should you do you I need think to he deco- is. do you need to yeah. declare a relationship with Jim D monetarily? Do we have a conf- conflict of interest policy? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I was going to ask you. You're far away. What ha- what's the blow up between Fairfax and News? Well, I think I think my understanding of it this this is very deep seated this is a 25 30 year old rivalry right this is basically blew up in super league and they've been at opposite sides ever since i think since channel 9's bought the papers and they've some of those people that were previously newspaper reporters are getting their heads on tv a lot more 
and and vice versa. So Channel Nine's using its radio, its TV, its press to cross promote things. I think Andrew Webster and Danny Widler are naturally taking well. Andrew Webster is a Saints supporter, but they're but they're also naturally taking Phil Gould's side and the split that happened at Penrith. And what they're saying is we've rung the players and he lost the dressing room. So Andrew Webster as a Saints supporter is going, I don't want that. And News Corp actually hired Anthony Griffin and he was doing analysis and stuff for them. So he got to know quite a few of the people at News Corp and some of the journos there. And so they they went in with quite a strong campaign to get him in. It's interesting. It's all about mates. The truth lies somewhere in between though, right? I think both sides have had an agenda. Is my personal opinion. I think I think Andrew Webster and Danny Widler have gone in to support Phil Gould, and and because they would have probably heard stories from Phil Gould or whatever about what happened really behind the scenes, and I think News Corp have, have gone into bat for Anthony Griffin and said, you know, he's our mate, he's a good bloke, he deserves another chance, and I think it's all been played out quite publicly as a slanging match between the two sides. Well, I guess we're going to find out who's wrong or right. The truth is in the middle. I think there would have been players that were probably a bit upset with him and probably veterans more so. But then some of his younger players that are now veterans like Hunt and Norman were actually advocating for him and really rated him as a coach. So, you know, and his record isn't that bad. All right. Moving along to our round 17 review. Uh, this was a much better round of footy. There were some really great games this this round. The The first game to kick it all off were the Broncos, Broncos versus the Panthers. Panthers got up 25-12 in Brisbane. The Broncos were much better than they have been. They they defended a lot better. Peter Gentle overhauled the training methods, he said, and the defensive structures. He said he simplified them. The Panthers have now won 12 in a row. They had a five-day turnaround, had to travel to Brisbane, still beat them. Um, that was the least amount of points conceded by a Broncos side since round nine, and I'm sorry about this, G, when they beat the Bulldogs. Despite that amazing effort in defense, they still conceded four tries and 25 points. But here's the light at the end of the tunnel for the Broncos' defense. The Panthers had 42 tackles inside the Broncos' 20, and the Broncos only had eight tackles inside the Panthers' 20. So they had to do a lot of defending. The Panthers' spine in Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luau, Api Corosau were great. James Fisher-Harris was superb up front. He ran for 259 meters and made 32 tackles. The Broncos looked good early, right? They came out of the gates really fast, um, but but a defensive read from Dearden and Staggs got the Panthers back in the game. Having said that, Payne Haas, Staggs, Dearden, and Ricky all look good, and Katoni Staggs in particular, along with Payne Haas, has probably been their standouts for this season. That's that's kind of what I saw in this game. What did you see? I mean, the Panthers were too classy. I thought the Broncos did quite well, but you know they're young. They they had a little bit more enthusiasm this week, I think, which was great, and I think. The Panthers, you could see, even though the Broncos were defending quite well, they're just too dangerous. They create space for themselves because they mix up their game. That's what I saw. And they do this every week. But, you know, a couple of early kicks, they create opportunities. They run. Cleary will run the ball. Luai will step inside or out. He'll run the ball. And the defense doesn't quite know. They have to play the man. They can't shift on runners and supports. They actually got to make sure the person doesn't kick. They're not running. So it just gives them that extra little bit of space to kind of play with the football. I don't know. I thought they were great. I've seen Tyrone May look like the mummy out there. It was kind of funny. It's like I think the only thing that wasn't wrapped was his head. It's like if you've got both elbows wrapped in bandages, both knees and ankles, it's like, should you be out there? It's like, yeah, no. He goes, on, he goes on to defend at fullback <laughs> yeah. in a wheelchair. Yeah. 
I love Brian Toto. He's got great footwork, great speed, great enthusiasm. So like you said, they, they play with enthusiasm all the time. They were just too good. Although the highlight for me was Katoni Staggs' palm off of Josh Mansell at the end. <laughs> does he palm. does he have does he have the best palm oh in the game? He has the best palm off in the game, that right? Was he great. is sensational. He's done it two or three times this season. Josh Mansell is a big unit, right? He's a big so he's unit. Like, <laughs> and he's like, You're not there. You Get the hell out of my way, mate. My random pickup was um Matt Chicken, like with the captain's challenge right at the end. But he was basically like, Come on, man, really? You're winning. Can we go home here? <laughs> Captain's challenge. You just see it all over his face. He's having a bit of a laugh. He's like, he's just like, get me the f out of here. I want to go home. So, so I thought the Panthers were too good. I agree with yeah. you. But I thought the I thought the Broncos' defense was a lot better, and I and I could see how he simplified it and and, and changed up the defensive structures. I've been thinking about how he did it because there hasn't been a lot of analysis around what happened. And I think the best way. And I so I watched the game and I watched their previous games pretty closely and I watched it back since the weekend. What's happened is, I think Anthony Seabold was quite a technical coach. So when it came to tactics, he said, this bloke on the left side likes to step inside. There's a lead runner that looks like this. And he's, and he's constantly reading the offense of the other team and trying to adjust, and trying to adjust his defense accordingly from opponent to opponent. From what I saw in Peter Gentle was he simplified it completely. Stick close to your man, no more than a few meters. Slide on the defense. So he was more worried about what they were doing rather than what the opposition was doing. It, from a from a football soccer perspective, it's like the difference between Mourinho and Harry Redknapp. So Mourinho would have Mourinho would have Harry Redknapp. Well, no, no, no. In a lot of ways, it's true, right? Because Mourinho has a thick dossier like Mar- Marcelo Bielsa at Leeds on each player, which foot they like to to kick with, which side they like to go. These are their tendencies: the cross balls, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Whereas Harry Redknapp's a lot more, just go out there and play what you see in front of you. And I think he did a bit. I think Peter Gentle did a bit of that in defence and just said, "Look, guys, just slide out, stick to stick to the spaces, do the right things, and focused more on themselves rather than the opposition." I mean, Harry Redknapp would have probably have taken to what is it? Is it the Caxton Hotel beforehand and then got to for origin, the yeah. yeah, and then got them to run out and try to tackle people. But I think it's hard to find that balance. You can always go too technical. It's almost like you can know too much. And you have too much information that you're not reacting to what's going on. But you need some analysis, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think that's what happened. I just think I, I, looking at it, I think that's that's what they did. I, I think the players were playing confused. I want to finish on this point, but you've mentioned Coruscant. There was a try in the corner where you can see mixture in attack that they have Penrith, where he came out of dummy half, threw an inside ball, a, fake, a dummy on the inside. The defense had to stay. The defense was marking him. Because he was, think- they were thinking he's going to run, slows down, then straightens up, and then the defense is like, "Oh, we can't slide. We've got to mark him." And then bang, the ball goes out, and then there's space for his outside men. Like just fabulous. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. The the secret to Appy Corrissau is he makes the defense think twice. He- he's always making them think, "I could pass or run, or I can take this line or that line." So he's always constantly. He's not a predictable player, and I think that helps their offense. The oak milk pink jerseys what do you think of those the strawberry milk jerseys i was wondering if there was a question there <laughs> the strawberry milk jerseys they, they look kind of weird but just the whole concept is cool i think teams should try try things with their away jerseys and things like that i'm less forgiving on home jerseys yeah i think i think you need to stick more closely to tradition with the home jerseys away jerseys are all, all I'm, I'm happy for them to to experiment the second game of the week and and the first game on the friday night was the knight's 
versus the Sharks. The Knights got up 38-10 at McDonald Jones Stadium. Uh, the, sh- the Sharks were not in this from the start. They kicked the ball out on the full and it clear from the, from the kickoff and their heads clearly weren't in the game. We'll get to the Chad Townsend uh, shoulder charge, but but Kalen Ponga was superb. The Knights ran in seven tries to two. In addition to Townsend, Wade Graham and Aquaman, as you like to call him, Toby Rudolph, all set, Toby Rudolph, all, thank you. All, all set to miss weeks on the sidelines after being placed on reports. Cronulla had 40 missed tackles in this game, 11 errors, gave away six penalties and five set restarts. The Knights had a lot of possession and it told on the scoreboard. Um, from, from a Knights perspective, Mitch Barnett might be the Knights' best forward. You love him. But mate, since last since the end of last year, started adding some ball playing, which has made him much more dangerous. It's like the Appy Coruscant point, like he's he's giving the defenders something to think about. I thought that was quite good. I think I think he's been their form forward this year, by the way, Mitch Barnett. So Connor Tracy, from a Cronulla perspective, was strong carrying the ball, scored a try, and they got Braden Trindle there as well. So so, so the Sharks are quite good at bringing on these. Halves pairings, um, but of course the talking point out of the game was the the Chad Townsend shoulder charge. I will point out before the the Sharks fans complain too much that uh, the Knights were up twenty two four at the time. It wasn't like you were going to win the game. He just had a brain explosion. What did you think? I think you know it's one of those things where it's like that's it. I'm going to run out and smash this guy. So even though the ref pulled it up and he just got stuff it, I kept on kept on going and hit him. I don't. I think it looked really bad because, like you said, we spoke about it, and you said Ponga was slowing down, so they hit. Well, he heard the re- he heard the ref, so he stopped. Yeah, so it looked fan- like bad, and then the stuffing that he had up his nose flew everywhere. So it looked, well, like, it looked his like a tooth. tooth. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, oh my god, what's happened? But I actually don't think it was a send off. He hit him higher, but then it bounced off, and then he sort of went into his head, and he you know knocked him kind of over. Um, but it looked a lot worse than it was, you know, but because it was a shoulder charge, maybe, a, you know, a week suspension or something like that. But I just think it... I think it's three. It's three weeks. It looked great. But do I think it was that bad? No. I think it was a send-off. And I'll tell you I'll tell you why. Not because the impact was high, but because the ref blew the whistle. Okay. Got if you. the ref blows the whistle, players are defenseless, they're pulling up. You can't just run out of the line and shoulder charge someone with the ball, right? <laughs> I don't know. what you, you, just, you, you just can't. You just can't. And even if the impact was low and it was during the game, he deserved to be sent off for that haircut. Oh, don't get me started on the hairstyles. They get worse and worse. And Jai Arrow, seriously, man, like, you'd think over time, you know, after a few weeks it would get better. It's actually somehow getting worse. Because it's getting longer at the back. It's getting longer at the back. Um, I don't know. I'll give up. But um, He's like got a Michael Bolton... Mullet with the sides cut off, uh, Jr. Yeah, but anyway, we'll come yes. to that. Um, without the voice, by the look of it, look, they're not. I can't pick the Sharks, but I, the one thing I did say is, if Ponga comes to play, it's the only way the Knights could win, and he came to play. And the defense by Cronulla, yes, I am starting to watch the defense a little bit more. Hamlin Ueli, oh my God, what did he do? Did he meet up with Ofahiki Ogden from last week? <laughs> we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about your front rowers coming up. His defense was woeful. Like, he was directly responsible for three or four tries. They weren't at the like, farm. They just weren't thinking. They just they just didn't show up at all. And, you know, we say it week after week, you just don't know which Sharks team you're going to get from week to week. You don't. I think um, you mentioned Braden Trindle, and I think this is the step up between grades, right? He's a good young player, but you're coming up against the absolute elite 
athletes, you're not used to that speed and explosiveness that comes at you. It takes It's an adjustment period. So he got burned a couple of times by Ponga. But there's potential there. I can see oh, potential without, in Braden Without Trindle. a doubt, but you can see that he's still adjusting to the speed of first grade. Of course. Like, I mean, you're, and plus Ponga's like the elite athlete within first grade. That's right. So, you but, know. But, um, but I look at I look at Braden Trindle. No one like that's Like you, you keep talking about Nick Meaney. You, Braden Trindle in your team, in the Dogs, might be the player with the most potential. Or maybe it's 50-50 with Nick Meaney, but but he's that is that quality. There's something there in Braden Trindle. I mean, he's got to stay injury-free. He's got to be in the right structure, all the rest of that stuff. But there's there's talent there. There's talent there's there. Pl- there's players that have talent that are floating around. You've just got to be able to develop them and pick them. What's happened with the Roosters as they've evolved as a club? We've had, we've had a friend. A, a complaint from a Roosters fan. Cuts, who's a, who's a Roosters fan, who's asked you to stop going so hard on the Roosters. I won't, but um, I think if you go back to their the first decade of the 2000s, they were notorious for purchasing talent no matter what, like year on year on year. And they've always had great youngsters, right? But they always used to let them go and replace them with, I guess, the next big thing. What's happened with the Roosters in the last 10, 8, 9 years, under Robinson specifically, is they're developing all their talent. You know, but they still can't keep everybody. They've still got talent coming through, but they they just got a, a line. They're like Melbourne now. Anybody that comes in, the youngsters are ready to play. They all do a great job. So they, but they still got players that are not in their squad that can play really well. So some of these other teams have got to pick some of these players up, like a Trindle or someone else or a Turner from the Warriors, and be able to develop them. I'm only talking about this because my team needs as much talent as they can get, but. Nikora again, like you said, I think they just didn't come to play on the fringe. He was pretty terrible. If only, if only the dogs had someone like Morgan Harper, right? Yeah, I'll talk about that later. But the one thing I did want to say is, you know, everyone has a go at the footy players, but how was there not a punch thrown after that send-off? Like, literally everyone ran in and somehow everyone kept their cool. Yeah, <laughs> you think about that. The, the tension and the, the anger and the frustration, and nothing happened at all, which is actually remarkable. Mitchell Pierce looked like he was really fired up, but then I, th- I think he heard a dog barking in the crowd and that calmed him down. Do you reckon it was our dog that we have? Those that know, podcast no. logo? Oh, God. Again, I think William Kennedy still is coming along for the Sharks as a positive. Not really there, and the Knights deserve to win quite easily. They were just too good, really. Too good. All right, moving on to game three. The one of the games of the round, Souths versus the Storm. What a great game this was! Souths are coming into form at the right time. They they really really gave the Storm a run up here. They were up fourteen six just before the last minute try by Justin Olam at the end of the first half, uh, off the Ryan Pappenhausen show and go. It got me thinking there could be a few surprises in the Origin squad as well. Like I think Ryan Pappenhausen will be there. I think Katoni Staggs might be there as well. In the second half, though, Souths only completed 10 out of 18 sets and the Storm had 23 tackles in the Souths 20. This is just in the second half. Souths had six going the other way. Souths also missed 10 tackles and made eight errors. So the second half was a real slog, like Melbourne were coming and coming and coming. Cody Walker was great for Souths. God, I say it every week, right? Pappenheisen, Cam Munster, Tino Tino was great for the Storm. The last try was a Tom Brady-style NFL pass from Cam Smith. And, and Souths didn't get on the scoreboard in the second half. The Mel- Melbourne came over them, but it's one of those games where I think if Souths meet them in the semis, they might go, hey, we might have their measure. 
over, you know, next time we'll know what to do. What did you think? Not too dissimilar, I think, because with Cody Walker in the side, I remember we spoke to you earlier in the year that with Cody Walker, they can do anything. He's just a natural footy player. He's 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 an attack-minded footy player. He runs great lines. He's, he's I, I love him. I think he's fantastic, right? I think they missed a little bit of pace at the back. Like, Alan played okay. He didn't play too bad. But there was a little bit lacking coming from fullback. But um, I, I thought they showed that they can beat Melbourne. They really troubled them. But again, Melbourne's speed, if they get half a chance, it turns into a try. And I think that makes all the difference in the world. And they just went into methodical mode. They just wore them down and just got basically came over the top of them. Do you not think if South's played a bit better in that second half, and what I mean by that is they completed their sets a bit better, missed less tackles, and made less errors in the second half, that they, they grind a win out there? I think you're right. Melbourne do have acceleration and, all, and speed and all that stuff. I just think, you know, Souths will look at that at the end of the game and go, actually, we didn't play that well in the second half. And Cam Smith threw the pass 72 yards forward. You look back on that game and you go, well, actually, we, we probably could have got over the line there. They know that they can match them. So it's a, it's a confidence boost for Souths. I think, like you said, they'll walk away thinking, hey, if we had done this a little bit better. and They were in the game, basically, and it could have gone either way. I yeah. think they were on top for a fair while. But Melbourne just kept on coming. And eventually, you know, you give them too, too much opportunity and they got too much class. And that's the difference. I think where Melbourne does struggle is when they have play, um, teams that match their intensity and their speed. And that usually only happens in the semis. And that's where sometimes their game plan can become a bit rigid. But well, We've said that in the past, right? You get, have, you, yeah. you get 95% of the Storm's potential every week. Pretty and much, if- yeah. Yeah, and so you've got to be at 96% to have any chance in the game. And teams just aren't as consistent as the Storm. But come semi-final time, there's more teams putting in more. And so that's why sometimes the pack catches up to the Storm come semi-final time. Yeah, and look, I think I think South has the attacking ability because with Melbourne, you need to attack their defence. You're not going to outgrind them, right? You just can't. Um, and can, they win, think... can they win the title without Latrell? Do you know what? I don't think they can. I think he added that extra little bit of... I think if James, if you had a fully fit James Robinson, James Roberts, without Latrell Mitchell, yes. Is he, is he any relation to James Roberts? I think James Roberts just changed his name. Did he? Did he? Yeah. JR. Let's call it's, him JR. It's, it's, it's really, yeah. Um, JR from Dallas. I think with a fully fit James Roberts, yes, they can. But without Latrell or James Roberts there, I don't think they have the attacking spark to beat Melbourne. They can match it, and with a bit of luck, they can win. But I don't think they are a definite of beating I, I think there's only one team that can win it, and we're going to talk about them a little bit later. Look, can I just say one thing before we move off this game? There was a lot of calls after the Cam Smith forward pass that they people want the bunker to rule on forward passes. I don't agree. Can I just say this? Rather than throwing everything up to the bunker... Can the video ref just go, hey, that was forward? Because everyone watching at home saw that it was forward. Oh, some of the forward passes that get let go from dummy half, you're just like, what? Even with the wrong angle, even, even with the wrong angle, they look forward. Correct. Like, well, you don't, you, don't, you don't need to slow the game down to get a decision like that. No. Right? The answer isn't the bunker. The answer is get it right on the field, but I acknowledge you're not going to get everything right on the field. So you either end up with two options. You either live with it if you're not going to go to the bunker or the video ref in the ear or the linesman goes, hey, or the touch judge goes, 
hey, that was a forward pass, and then you pull it up, right? So I just I just don't think the bunker is the answer to this stuff. I think anything that continues to slow the game down is the wrong thing. If anything, we should be looking to speed it up. All right, moving along. Okay, everyone who listens to the GNT podcast, if you're listening in the morning, go make yourself a cup of tea. Oh, if you're listening God. at night, Jesus, go yeah, grab okay. yourself a glass of wine because it's our favorite time of the week to discuss the Bulldogs. Can I just go silent at, on these on, the, on these game reviews? You can. Now, the Bulldogs played the Titans. I'm not going to discredit the Titans, but uh, I believe the Titans, up until last year, were playing in the Asian Super League. So they're now an NRL team playing in the NRL. They came down to Sydney for a tough game. Uh, the Titans started well, and uh, the Dogs came back into it in the second half. It's usually the opposite. We spoke about that being the opposite last week. The Titans have now won two in a row. They got up they got up against the Bulldogs 18-14. Lachlan Lewis and Kieran Foran, poor Kieran Foran before he got injured with the pec injury, they were great for the Dogs. Jamal Fogarty was great in attack for the Gold Coast Titans. Two of the misses in defense were woeful. Pretty poor. Pretty poor. Woeful. Woeful. So and that's why people get, get dropped, right? So often people don't watch that side of the game. Although G started watching that. Having said that, G <laughs> yes. having said that, G. You got 36 minutes and 41 minutes, respectively, out of Ogden and Napa. Now, Napa got injured. You didn't get a lot of time out of your front rowers during this game. So I think you would have been in it more if you could have got a few more minutes out of them. It was a willing game rather than a great game. Both, I felt like both teams need some explosiveness to their team. They, they were just lacking a bit of spark and acceleration and speed. Um, but in the end, missed tackles were the difference. You missed 29 missed tackles, the... the Titans only had 17, and without Jamal Fogarty, it was probably six. Come on, come on. You're being generous. The, dif- the difference was we can't score tries. We're hopeless. Well, I don't think you threaten that much, to be honest. But... No, and this, this is the thing, right? Like, it's got nothing to do with stats. If you can't score a try, you can have a completion rate of 90-something percent, and it doesn't matter. It's what you do with the possession. And our use of the football in attack is poor. Yeah, but you can get, you, you can get away with not scoring points if the opposition aren't scoring on you. Uh, yeah, but you know, in this day and age, you're really going to win games 10-8. Uh, the Roosters do it. The Roosters are different. They're different. I think they are actually they? sit there in the dressing shed and go, you know what, let's actually just score one try and see if we can hold the other team out. For <laughs> All I'm saying they're is that it's bored, possible. That they win every year. Like they, They're probably like, you know what, they just set challenges. Your problem's not only on... Attack. Yes, I acknowledge you've got problems on attack, but you've got you've got problems on both sides of the field. The right hand defence is terrible. Okay, you talk about I suppose the forwards. I think it's a fitness issue, massive fitness issue. Is it? Is that what it was? I was going to ask you. Is it a fitness issue? What was it? I mean, Napa got injured, right? That's mate. That's damning. Thirty six minutes out of Ogden and forty one out of Napa. Napa. Um, Didn't he get injured with eight minutes to go? They, you even he if he did. stayed. Even if he stayed on the field, you would have only got forty nine minutes out of him. I hope he. I ho- luckily, it's only a medial, so um, he'll he'll come back. But Napa needs to do something about his fitness. I think at the Roosters, he was covered a little bit. He hits hard. He can be agile, but most of the time, he's jogging back trying to conserve energy. And you can, if you watch him, you see it. He leaves holes in defence all the time. He can't play a long period of time. I don't know if he doesn't have the VO two max like Payne Haas. VO2 max levels and Ogden he's still kind of young probably not you know still feeling his way but he can get tired out there as well but next why year why did he like, play so little why did he play so little 
was he ineffective? I mean, I, I don't. That's that's a damning. When I look back at this game, so I watch the game and you watch a game in flow, and then you got time to digest it and you look back on it, and then you look at the stats and you go, "Man, he barely played. He played less than half the game." I think he's effective when he runs, and he's he's a big agile guy. He's actually got good athletic ability, but maybe he can't play longer. He's your starting prop. Yeah, but he was in and out of the team for most of the year. You know, match fitness. He was played 20 minutes of the game when Deepay was coaching, or he w- he wasn't playing at all. As soon as George Arles started, he-, he was back in the team. But I think it's a fitness thing. I really do. I think the forwards, our forwards for a long time have not been able to handle a high-intensity speed of game. It is fitness. So you need you need a fullback. You need wingers and centers. You need a five-eight, a half, a lock, second rowers, and 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 a hooker and a couple of props. Right? That's what you guys need to recruit. So you only need eleven players. Maybe twelve. But again, another wholehearted effort for the most part. But they're just not good enough to win. And they've the funny thing is they come so they've come so close over so many weeks. But there's just something just not right. But gee, gee, I see light at the end of the tunnel for the Titans. I just don't see that for you guys. I mean, I just where 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 is this gonna? I know we, we already spoke about it, but I'm, I'm kind of in the Phil Gould camp. I, I think this, this head coaching role at the Dogs might be, might be a bit of a poison chalice. I just want to know that the next coach is making progress and you can see progress on the field. I think with Dean Pay, players got worse or didn't even improve. So to me, that automatically shows you that he's the wrong coach. You know, you want to see, as a fan, you want to see progress. You're not going to win every year. Oh, mate, I'm a Paris supporter. I know that. <laughs> unless, you're, unless you come from Melbourne or the Roosters. But... Um, you know, if you see players improving and getting better, sometimes it builds, like you say, it builds up over a couple of years. And that hasn't been there for a long time, which shows there's a lot of issues behind the scenes as well. I mean, I remember when they they got the best facilities, apparently, in the NRL. And since then, the team's gotten more unfit every year. So I don't know if they don't train there or... They made the mistake of building it across the road from Porto's. Maybe, I don't know. Or they forgot the equipment. They paid for the building and forgot the equipment. Or it was built by a builder that after seven years, you know, it all fell apart and you can't chase them for insurance. I heard it was the same builders that built Opal Tower. It probably was. So it's disappointing. Titans were pretty good. I like at the start of the game how they, they threw the ball wide on their own line and really challenged defense. That's what the Bulldogs in 2012 used to do, a very Jim Dimmick type of move. Um, so I like that. Nick Meany, again, had a pretty good game. He's doing really well on the wing. Better winger than he is a fullback. Moiaki Fotuaika was sensational for the Titans. He's, he's a very good player. Oh, mate. 201 metres, six tackle breaks, two offloads, and he made 45 tackles. How's that for an afternoon's work? I think it's good to see the Titans win. Again, the team tried hard, some good stuff here and there, but, um, you know... I, close enough is not good enough and they're coming last still so um, yeah I don't know I, I don't want to rant and rave about it they they had, they had gave it an effort they gave it a go so we're just lacking something this year but think yeah, about it if enough. they're coming coming last and they're still sort of putting in for the most part I think that's pretty good yeah they're, they're, they're like a teenager in a nightclub they're swinging away they're, they're trying hard but there's just something missing oh, the teenager shouldn't be in there that's right. That's the point. That's the point. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. So we'll call Canterbury Bankstown from now on the Parker Lewis Can't Lose team. Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Remember you that show? What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lachlan Lewis could probably be a fill-in. Well, no. It, the show only runs for half an hour and it takes Lachlan Lewis 45 minutes to kick. So 
he can't play the role because he can't get it done in time. So I, I just love this time of the week. All right. I don't. No, well... Can we win one game? Come on. I think you have won a game this year, haven't you? <coughs> Two. Oh, we're excellent. Good good result. You know, at least if they still had the buys, we could get up to 10 points. <laughs> I mean, fire out. Give us something. <laughs> it's like in cricket when you've had a really rough day and sundries are the highest score. Yeah, that's it. Sundries. But no, sorry, Kieran Foran, sad to see him get injured. He's, ha- he's been playing really well. He's been playing unbelievably well for you guys. Um, so not a, not a good sign. You don't like to see any players really get injured. It's a, it's a bad injury too, the pecs. But to be honest, these days with a pec, some players come back, they injure their pec and they come back after four weeks. And it, other times they seem to be out for five months. So who knows? Hopefully it's only a couple of months. At least it's a different part of the body. I mean, can I, instead of Blake Green... If you could get Kieran Foran for four hundred grand, that might be money well spent. He's been playing really well. I don't understand the Blake Green signing. Like I said, it would have been better off to keep Foran. Apparently, he wanted two years and they wanted only one. But either way, right. keep him around for four hundred grand. Have him as a reserve or a mentor. If you really value him like that, and he is like that behind the scenes, I don't know. But you know, it's money. It's reasonable money to spend from your salary cap for someone like that. So yeah, I mean, anyway. I would I wouldn't pay him nine hundred or a million or anything like that, but. 350 400 he's worth a shot isn't he yeah oh definitely that's that's a base rookie salaries almost now so squad player money okay moving on to one of the great comebacks in rugby league manly 32 the tigers 34 at brookie what a comeback the tigers were down 20 to 6 midway through the first half and then they were down 32 18 with 11 minutes to go i mean this this was I thought the Tigers, given the week they'd had, they were out they were out on their feet, and I thought this game was over. There was some outstanding individual performances. Daily Cherry Evans set up the first three tries for Manly. Norfoluma got a hat trick. He's now leading for the season seventeen tries. He put a lot of pressure on himself that morning by saying he deserves to be playing in the finals, but the team's not good enough. And then he came out and got a hat trick, right? Yeah. Well, we give people crap about having bad hair. David, David Nofaluma, great hair. Okay, you've heard it here for, first, David. So if you've, you, you've got a rap from G who has no hair. Adam Duahy got a double, kicked great. I think he's found a home in the centres. We've been saying he's been a centre for a few weeks, right? No, I've been saying he's a 5'8", but he did a good job in the centres. Oh, no, that's right. um, I I was saying he was a centre. I said he was a centre. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But um, he he played really well. I was interested to see how that experiment went, and he he, he played well. I I do want to say I called that a few weeks ago, that he looked like a better centre. So the Tigers didn't have any ball in the first half. They only had 15 sets. And Manly only had to make 100 tackles in the first half. The, the possession evened up in the second half. They each had 16 sets. Manly missed 18 tackles in the second half, which is an enormous number just for one half of football. Morgan Harper made his debut for Manly. He's played a couple of games, I think, for the Dogs. He got a try, played really well. If, if only the Doggies had a player, had a youngster like Morgan Harper. We didn't need him, so we gave him away because we don't need a centre. And then we signed the... Um the artist formerly known as Tim Laffey or his um, body double. <laughs> or, I don't know what he, who he got, but it wasn't him. It's a funny it's a funny release. that If you had someone like that coming through, I mean, you're coming last. When are you going to blood him? I don't know. Oh, Dean Pay played him earlier this year for about five minutes off the bench and then never played again. So, like, like, Isn't this your window to blood him? I mean, you're coming last. You've won two games all season. Makes no sense. But he, he it was good to see him make a debut. He had a good season last year in the reserve Canterbury Cup competition, so 
and Des Hasler um, picked him up, and he, he had a decent game for Manly uh, uh, for his first game up. Yeah, he could be ten or fifteen games in at the Dogs here. I mean, like you could be building up his experience. I mean, he's a bit slight, but but he, he, he looked pretty good. Yeah, he's got some skill. He, he's a skillful player, Morgan Harper. I mean, Desi said after the game that Manly won this game ten times over, but found eleven ways to lose it, and that they panicked at the end. And I and I and I couldn't fault his analysis. I thought it was absolutely right. He loves his stats, Desi. But yes, he was he's right. They, I don't know how they lost or lose. They did. For me, I don't know what you think of the game, but for me, the Tigers goes back to my own opinion and probably bias about Madge Maguire. But I find that when the Tigers played attacking football. They looked a hundred times better with his stodgy than his stodgy game plan. I think Man- I think Manly panicked. I think Desi's analysis was right. Controversial Tigers fans are going to come after me. It was a great ending to the game, but I reckon fifty percent of that was on Manly. Some of it, but I also think you know the Tigers look better when they're allowed to play football. When they, where it's almost like when they're behind and they need to score, and all of a sudden they start trying to attack, they look far better. Which means to me, well, Manly's an I'd average just, team. Yeah, but still, I disagree with you in that instance is that I think that the the game plan means it doesn't work for them. And as soon as it has to be thrown out the window and they have to just play, they look a lot better. But the Tigers' point scoring hasn't been their problem this year. It's been defensively, and which is very unmatched Maguire-like, right? Yes, but then if there's... So, so, so by, by definition, if they're scoring enough points, then surely they've got to tighten up the defensive end. But defence is also... A desire thing, right? Like, if you're not allowed to play football and you think you can't score or your game plan, you don't believe in the game plan at all, it's hard to just keep on turning up with intensity in defence all the time. Who wants to do that shit? Like, you know what I mean? They've scored more points than the Knights, the Raiders, and Parramatta this year, the Tigers. Yes, but there's been a few games where they've racked up massive scores. But in general, against some of the better teams, they've struggled. That's... Three teams in the top eight they've outscored. I don't think point scoring is their problem. They've conceded 401 points in 17 games. The problem's been at the defensive end. That's why I kept dropping the halves as well. They're conceding 24 points a game. It's four tries. Numbers say that. I think context is you're not allowed to play football and it's boring and you don't believe in the game plan. Your desire in defense drops off a little bit and you concede more points as a result. Well, it doesn't happen to the Roosters. doesn't happen to Para. doesn't happen to Para. doesn't happen to the Knights. Yeah, doesn't happen to the Titans. The Titans are showing up at the moment. But different players, I suppose. Ah, that's right. Nah, yes. Or now different I think, coaches. Different now coaches, I think, not necessarily now I, better. Now I think we get to the hub of, nub of the issue, in my opinion. I don't think they've got the cattle. Well, I suppose if you think about it, if you look at, assess their squad, maybe they are where they're meant to be, ninth or 10th. I agree. I 100% agree with that. I 100% agree with that. I look at that squad and they're, they're exactly where they should be. Because uh, maybe you bring something, you, you make a good point. If you bring up, if you compare them to the Roosters or the Raiders or the Panthers or, you know, Souths, they're not better than any of those squads. So there goes five already or Parramatta. So who's left over? Well, that's right. Are they better than the Sharks? Probably not. Well, okay, it's line ball though, right? I mean, even if they, the, the Warriors, Tigers, Sharks, and I think if the Warriors were playing at home, they, they probably were in the eight this year. But they're, they're not there. They're where they should be. They're a ninth, tenth, eleventh team, right? That's 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 where they should be. You mentioned David Nolfaluma. I thought he was since it would have a finisher, like his first oh, drive yeah, in the great. first half. Oh, he put a he put a bit of pressure on himself though, didn't he? With that comment, God, that's not that that Josh Reynolds and and, and Russell Packer walking out. Nolfaluma saying that in the morning. 
there's some issues at the Tigers, mate. Massive. I think I, lo- I love the last try by Duehi as well. Like great oh, hands. great try. Grabbed it. Like it was an AFL mark, wasn't it? And this is where you get the youngsters. I think Morgan Harper, you're used to playing in reserve grade, right? He was you just a touch off players, the pace, right? Yes, just yes. a touch off the pace. Look, I don't think he expected Adam Duehi to come flying out of nowhere and grab that ball. He was. You could see he was like, yep, I got this. And then out of nowhere, he stole it in front of him. And I think that's the difference just between you've got a little bit more time in Canterbury Cup. So the, I don't know how Manly lost that game but and the Tigers won, but we'll see how they go. Maybe next, maybe it changes things and gives them a little bit of um, confidence going into next week. But good game to watch. Not a great game, but good game to watch. It was exciting at the end. Definitely exciting. It was a fabulous comeback. It was awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was um, great. It's, it's what we watch footy for. So, okay, the, 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 what would have been the ga- everyone thought the game of the round going in, uh, the Canberra versus the Roosters concluded Super Saturday. The Roosters won 18-6 in Canberra. James Tedesco had a monster game. He was back at his best, 198 metres, 13 tackle busts, two line breaks and two tries. Sonny Bill, I know we spoke about him at the top of the show, but, but he only played 14 minutes. He played through the middle and he was out of puff. I think it just goes to show... It's been six years since he's played at NRL intensity, right? And I and I think it showed. I think it is going to take him a little while to get up to match fitness. He was huffing and puffing. Yeah, it was going to take him five or six games. But then also, you know, don't warm up doing burpees, man. Personal trainers give you those exercises so you can throw up everywhere. And I think, I think Sonny Bill <laughs> might be able to handle it. And I reckon he strikes me as the type of person, as I stare at you across this Zoom, that may know a little a thing or two about fitness <laughs> and what he needs to do. I didn't think he'd, he would struggle that much. He's 35. I and know, the game's a lot faster. The game's a lot faster than what it was. It is, but he's just always in such supreme shape that you just think, I didn't, I've never seen him like that before. It was interesting. I know he's old, but I, I didn't think he'd struggle that much. So, the other look, Josh Papali went off with a shoulder injury in the second half. I think that hurt the Raiders. He gives them a lot of firepower. Just one thing I wanted to to mention, George Williams, Elliot Whitehead, and John Bateman, the English trio, missed 16 tackles between them. And I think John Bateman missed seven. I'm not sure John Bateman's playing that well. He kind of went, went missing against in that game against the Panthers. Yeah, he had a good game. He scored a try on the weekend. Denarmus Louis also missed six. But I, I'm not sure on John Bateman's form, I've got to be honest with you. Uh, and I know the Raiders threw everything at the Roosters at the end of both halves, but God, it's an ominous sign because I thought the Roosters handled them with ease. I thought this game was below expectations. I, I just thought the Roosters weathered the storm and, and did a Roosters-like performance. I, I, I think the Roosters will win the comp on this on this form. The one the one challenge to that, Boyd Cordner this year is struggling despite what other teams and he'll still get picked for Origin and all the rest. He's New South Wales captain, but he has struggled. He, particularly with his defence. He missed another five tackles on the weekend and it's becoming a regular occurrence at the moment. So, you know, they're not looking as solid as they have the last couple of years, but I suspect they're running into a bit of form at the right time. If I look at all the players that are incredibly talented, and I guess effort is considered to be a talent to some degree, but if you look at all the stars of the game, you could probably argue that he's probably the least naturally talented guy. But he's gotten every inch out of his talent, right? This is what I mean. Like, he absolutely maximizes everything he's got. He runs so hard, as fast as he can, run as hard as he can. He's he's always desperate in defense. He puts his body on the line. He's maximized every inch of his potential, right? 
and maybe you know he's been going around for a long time. Yeah, he has. Maybe you, you think he's oh you think he's like a car. Whilst the model might be new, it's a lot of K's on the odometer. There's a lot of K's on the odometer, and he's you know you push your body to the limit that much. Maybe it's slowly starting to slow down a bit. He's not been as good this year. He really hasn't. You know, he's one of those players that you just think how you look at him and you think how is he that effective? But he just is. He's a bit. He's not as good as Brad Clyde, but he's a bit like Bradley Clyde, right? Brad Clyde was the Terminator back in the early nineties, right? He just first one to hit the ball up, chasing down kicks, just just a machine, just kept turning up and turning up and turning up. And Boyd Corden is a little bit like that, just set after set. Well, he's like a machine, right? And I just think there, there's some fraying at the edges there. You know, maybe he needs an off season. I don't, I don't know, but but. I don't think he's been as good this year as he has been in previous. It could years. be, it could be that. But I, I agree with you on the Roosters. I think oh, watching this game, I thought this would be a great game. But to me, the Roosters were way too good. A little, a little bit like, I yeah, agree. a little bit scary. You know, like they just seem to handle it, as you said, very easy. I think Daniel Tupu coming back has made it a makes a big difference. difference yeah, I think Huge he has. Difference. I think he has. The other thing, they they felt a little bit like an older brother, right? Like they had the little brother challenge them, and they're like, "No, mate, you still need to grow another five years before you're at our level." A little bit, um, and I think he's Anthony um, Daniel Tupo's try. I mean, that was a great take, far out. Great. Take. I was like watching an old Mark from the eighties in in the Aussie rules. Yeah, yeah. And then he dropped one later on, and I was so shocked he dropped one. I was so shocked that he dropped one. You kind of expect him to take it every time. And this is what I mean about the Roosters, right? If I look at Daniel Tupu, he's gotten better he has yeah he has I think did, Jim Dimmick year, have, did Jim Dimmick have anything to do with that I reckon he must have been secretly doing coaching lessons with Jim Dimmick right right and, he, and, and, he, and he, he was interviewed after the game Daniel Tupu and he said said what helped him was not doing burpees at halftime it would help everybody to be honest um but he was you, you just look at Sunnyville doing burpees and you go god that I'm exhausted just looking at yeah that. I think so I think that's what yeah. happens like and then he's trying to run out on the field and tackle people to too much of a too much class, and I think one thing that I took away from the Raiders for, from this game was they really struggled to attack. They were everything was centered around Whiten trying to bust the line by himself on the fringe. That's the way they've been playing for weeks. Remember, we've been mentioning it Jack is, Whiten for weeks, but it works against the crappy teams. Well, I just I just think the Roosters, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna first team since Para, they're gonna go three times, right? Again, it's a little bit too easy to defend for the elite sides like Melbourne or the Roosters. They can they can easily stop that type of stuff. So I thought that Canberra, they tried hard and I don't think they had the class to beat the Roosters in defense and the Roosters turned up and were too good. So I know, I know everyone loves George Williams and the amount he gets involved and all the stuff and he's tough and he tackles and he's quite creative and all that sort of stuff. Can I say something here? Are we sure that Aiden Caesar wasn't a better fit? I don't know, but I do know that George Williams is the new Schnorz. He's taking the nickname from Michael O'Connor. Excellent. Come on, man. Don't tell me you haven't noticed that. I have noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> noticed that. It's got a great nose. I do like your... You You are you, you are on fire this evening, may I say, G. It's um, Schnorz. But um, it's a good... It's a, it's a valid question. Aiden Cesar was um, deemed to be not good enough. I, I mean, I like George Williams, but I think he took a back seat in this game and really allowed Wyden to take over everything, and I think it limited their attack. And it, you, with the Roosters in Melbourne, you've got to challenge them in different ways. You can't do the same thing over and over. They, they I agree are with too that. good. Too good. So They're too well coached. They're too well coached and too good, and they're too intense, and they really make mistakes. And the Roosters team just looks fabulous at the moment. 
Yeah, they're too good. I hope that if they are going to go three in a row, that they pull out some brilliant football and blow teams away, in a sense, to assert their dominance. I don't think that'll happen. I don't think it'll be 18, 14, 20, That's what 20, I think 12. as well. It'll be like, but they'll get it done. I, I, I'm feeling more and more confident they're going to get it done. I think the only team that can beat them is the way that I'm watching at the moment, or the football that I'm watching at the moment, is... Panthers. Panthers. And I think Paris still got that X factor where if their attack's unleashed, they can trouble them. But I'm not sure if they're playing good enough at the moment. No, not Para, mate. Not Para. And I'm, this is coming from a supporter. Good segue to the next game. The Parramatta Eels defeated the New Zealand Warriors 24-18. We won, thank God, but it wasn't convincing. Chanel Harris-Tavita's tries before halftime were absolutely fantastic. You were out when this game was on. You were getting live texts from me. I thought I thought it, I thought we were going to get done in this game. The Warriors looked great in attack. We got two tries when Jazz Tavanga got sin binning, which was a joke. He never should have got sin binning. <laughs> How bad was Na- that? Oh, Nathan <laughs> Brown. Just just he's the. You talk about Mitchell Moses. Nathan Brown could have an argument with no one else in the room. Oh, Nathan Brown could, but you see, Mitchell Moses. He's a little irritant. He complained about it, and he got the guy sent to the sin bin. He did, and then we ran in two tries off the back of that. So we were up sixteen nil. <laughs> So the first 30 minutes were quite good. Then then it just fell away. Our right-hand defence looked really shaky. And teams look like they've worked out Brad Arthur's defence, getting around them, right? Like the, the teams are getting around us. Blake Ferguson, first try of the year. He definitely wasn't going to... It was a great try. He wasn't going to yeah. pass to Gutho. Notice it wasn't... It, the try didn't come from a pass left to right from Wonga Blake. I think they've just decided to cut him out altogether. Yeah, correct. That's that's the that's the only that's the only way Blake Ferguson was going to score. Interesting. Well, interestingly, bad for us is Reed Marnie's been injured and he's out indefinitely, and that brings Dylan Brown and 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 Reed Marnie the two big outs because I'm not sure we've got strong enough replacements. I'm not sure how deep our squad is. We've got a short five day turnaround in the Panthers this week. I'm a bit wary of this game. I think you know we could get towelled up, but hopefully we show up. The, the Warriors' completion rate helped the Eels. They had 38 goes at the pill, and they only kept it 28 times. They only got to their kick 28 times, and 11 out of 18 in the second half. So so quite quite bad completion rate, errors, drop balls, those types of things. Mitch Moses is really struggling. That's one thing I did see. His form with the goal kicking, he hasn't kicked a goal from the sideline in weeks, and his short kicks in general play. He doesn't have a lot of variety. He needs to... In particularly this off-season, if he's working with Andrew Johns, he needs to work on his varieties. Long kicking's great, but there was also a couple of miscommunications at the back when we were fielding kicks amongst the, 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 the back three. And that suggests to me that teams aren't talking. They're not talking enough. So the, the chatter's dropped off. I know we got over the line. I'm grateful we got over the line. But if we play like that against the Panthers, we could get towed up too. I think this week is going to be interesting, and we'll cover that later. But one thing I did notice with Para is they seem to have a very deliberate game plan against the Warriors. They kick behind the line a lot. Grubbers behind the line and grubbed early. And I wonder if they saw something um, during the week in terms of preparation for the Warriors' defense, whether they thought that was a weakness of sorts. Um, I loved the try from J- Jai Field. That was awesome. Gutho... Coming Great through the try. middle. Yeah, and this is what I love about Gutherson. He's in the game all the time. He's a real competitor. Right? He is. He is. That's a good description because let me tell you something. As someone who watches Para week in, week out, he's slow. He's not that fast. No, no he's not. No, he's slow. He's slow. But he's, he's always moving, right? And with slower players, if you get the ball moving, 
you you take out your the disadvantage you have if you're not great with acceleration or you don't have top end speed if you're already moving you can reach your speed faster and you, it still makes you dangerous and Jai Field his speed was incredible the chip over the top and mate he's very quick he is lightning he, quick he like literally got 10 meters away after a 10 meter sprint yeah that's right it's, um it's like looking into a mirror well, I don't know what mirror you're looking into, but it's not. I'm not looking into that mirror, that's for sure. No, you're you're definitely not. I'm probably looking at the Sam Cassiano mirror. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. Oh, yeah, ha-ha. I don't eat as much chicken as Sam did. Nah, a bucket. A bucket from KFC. He did, yeah, he was known for that. He used to love his um, KFC, Big Sammy. Having said that, go back and watch some of his first few years. What a skillful player he was. Wow. I don't know what happened there. Sam Cassiano. Warriors Eels. Warriors Eels, but... Um, I don't know what it is about power at the moment. And RTS carrying a little bit of pud. Mate, if he, where he got run down, if that was like two years ago, he would have absolutely burned them. Well, I mean, I just think, I just think he got slowed up a little bit too, right? He still had a player to beat. But he wasn't going to run away and it wasn't, it wasn't open field. It wasn't, there was someone in front of him. He still needed to beat Gutho. And Gutho, Gutho slipped over. So, I, look, I don't, I, I, I take the point around Roger Tuivasa-Shek. This is probably the worst season he's had out of his last four. Correct. And yeah. we've we've covered that in previous weeks. But I thought he was quite good on the weekend too. Oh, he had a great game. He did play well. It's just you know, my first intro to RTS, I saw him live at a semi, and this is against the Bulldogs, and he made Brett Morris look like a statue. And that's when Brett Morris was still incredibly quick, and you just thought, God, how fast is RTS? Like. You know, unbelievable speed. Um, you won the game, although I have to say, in a way, I think the I don't have to worry is bombed it. I don't think they bombed it. I think Parrot. It was a fairly they, even they game. I think Parra, that was a fairly even game. Yeah, I don't, I can't say that Parrot lost it. You know what makes you feel that way? You know what makes it, you feel that way? We were up sixteen nil, so we won the first thirty minutes, and then and then we lost the rest of the game, eighteen six. I think that's what it is. But if I watch the game, I always thought that the Warriors could score at any point. But I never felt like the Eels were going to, you know, run away with it or necessarily lose the game. So I thought it could go either way at times. But so it was fairly even. And the try at the end, though, when the Warriors were starting to come back to Wunga Blake, that was very soft. And that kind of knocked them out. I thought we'd kill the game. I think we were up 22-12. I thought we'd kill the game at that point. But, but then... They got it back to 22-18, and then I thought, oh, my God, I've seen this happen before. So I'm glad we got over the line in the end. I, I'm worried about the Panthers game. But though. Harris Tavita starting to come good. Oh, great. Didn't he play great? Didn't he? Didn't he? And both tries were fantastic. I like him and Nikarima as a half combination. I think You like Nikarima. You like Nikarima a lot. Uh, Nikarima could be the 5'8 and the halfback at the same time. I think they're both, they're both good players. They're both attacking players. They're both creative, and I think that really makes a big difference for them. I did, didn't did think Nikorima probably took control as much as he could have, but I think that shows that he's happy to play off Tavita as well, and they both play together quite well. There's not really one that's overly dominant, more dominant than the other. So I think it gives the Warriors attack a little bit more variety. Can I give the Warriors some credit? This is why they let Blake Green go. Oh, yeah, for sure. Chanel, Harris, yeah. Tavita, and Cody Nikorima, and... If you've got those two players and the way they played on the weekend, yes, they're going to have some bad games, but you stick through, you stick, stick solid with that combination, is is my view. And and Blake Green, a thirty-five-year-old organising halfback, isn't the future, not for that club. Yeah, th- thanks for yeah for our club, he is. Para, interesting. I still think at their best they can beat anybody. Like their best is starting to be further and further away. 
Which I'm a little bit worried, yeah. It's two months since we've played yeah. well. You know what? Give him about three or four weeks. I want to, I want to see how this Field and Moses combination goes and along with Gutho and see if it starts to bet in. And they need their attack to come back. Gee, we're not going to get it back. Reed Marnie's out. We're, we don't have we don't have a lot of depth in the hooker position. Not in hooker, no. So what about Will Smith? Do you, I know Will Smith fills in, but do you think he's lacking something? I mean, he's quite a quick guy. He's got some skill. Look, I, I I think Reed Marnie has some gaps in his game that need to be filled out, right? So, but Will Smith's not as good in the hooker position as Reed Marnie is. So th- no matter which way you look at it, we're going to go backwards a little backwards, bit. Backwards, yeah, decision. okay. No, but having having said that, I don't mind. I don't mind Will Smith. It's not like it's going to go from ten to zero. I'm just saying, Reed Reed Marnie's a seven out of ten hooker yeah. at the moment, and he could be a nine in a couple of years, but seven out of ten at the moment, and Will Smith's probably. A five. Will Smith's going to be important for us, particularly if Reed Marnie's out for the rest of the season. Moving on to the last game of the round, a game I tipped the winner, the Cowboys, to win their first game in nine weeks. I said they were a 10-point better team at home. They got up 23-22 with a Val Holmes golden point field goal. Val Holmes played his best game of the season after a really shaky start. He dropped the ball uh, a couple of times there. Ewan Aitken was great for the Saints. It was a seesawing game. Josh Maguire, what a niggly. He's just in their face, chirping away the whole game, but he was great. He ran for 212 metres and made 31 tackles. There was a combined 60 missed tackles between the teams. 66-0. I'm going to say something that's going to upset both the Cowboys fans and the Saints fans. These teams are both at about the same level. That's what this game showed. I actually think both teams are at about the same level and there's a long way to go for both these teams. I know you watched this game quite closely and you had a lot of thoughts on this game. What were your thoughts? I love the Dragons' red jerseys. They look fabulous. Decked out in red. They looked great. At least if you're going to go down, you may as well look good while you're doing it, right? The red shorts, the red socks, the red red jerseys, um, they look good. It was good to see Clune and Norman sort of combining a lot more. That's what the that's what people tune in for. They the deep, do the, the deep analysis of it's the deep state deep state analysis. The red, the red, the hard, the hard hitting <laughs> analysis from G. <laughs> red look good. It does. It actually is quite striking. I, I liked Saints' performance. What part of their performance did you like? I liked the the halves combining over different parts of the field. I thought that added the variety in their attack that they, they miss sometimes. A couple in the first half where Norman went through the middle of the ruck a few times, um, playing off I, I thought, yeah, he did. Norman Norman did do okay. He's been playing better, a bit inconsistent, but playing better. I just think he's a good stats, bad team player. First grader. He looks good. Great, right? He looks good. Got a big boot on him, makes a break. But his teams just don't win for whatever reason. He's um, I like Adam Clune though. I think Adam Clune. Is getting better and better. I don't know. I guess it's one of those games where from the end of the week, um, Sunday night, both teams got nothing to play for pretty much. A few good tries, yeah. That concludes our <laughs> wrap-up of the Round 17 review. Um, moving on to the Round 18 preview. First up on the Thursday night, we've got the Tigers versus Souths. Tigers have 7.5 points head start on Sportsbet. $3.10 for the Tigers. Souths are the favourites at $1.37. I can't see the Tigers doing anything. Souths have been playing really well. What are your thoughts on this one, G? I think Souths will be too good. I mean, have the problems really gone away with from the Tigers? And what's happening in the background? Maybe because they've won, things will change. I'm not really sure. You know, and how much of it was 
throwing caution to the wind at the end of the game and just throwing the ball around and everything stuck? Or are they going to take some confidence from that win and really play a lot better against South? I don't think South will give them the same leeway that Manly did. And I think Gagai is back this week and he adds something that Jackson Paulo was quite... He was solid, but you add Gagai in there and their team looks a lot better as well. So, I mean, you look at their back line, it's fantastic. So I can't see the the Rabbitohs losing. And they've been playing really well. They almost knocked off Melbourne, like we said last week. I, I think they'll put them away. They're getting ready for the semis, the, the Bunnies. You know what? They could they could go deep into the semis the way they're playing at the moment. So the next game, we move on to Friday night. The next game is, of course, what, what traditional rivalry in Canterbury and the Sea Eagles. The Canterbury Bulldogs get six and a half point start on Sportsbet. Manly are $1.45 favourites. Canterbury are the outsiders at $2.75. Both teams have lost their past six games. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts before I give you my view on this game? My thoughts are, I think we're finally going to get a win this week. I think you're right. I think you're right. Marcelo Marcelo Montoya and Kieran Holland and Kieran Foran are all out. Jaden Ockenball plays his first game of the year for you guys on the wing. Dallin Wateni Zelezniak moves to into centre alongside the recalled Remus Smith, who is just a tackling machine. He is. Jake Avarillo moves to five. Remus. Luke Luke Thompson is back in the starting side at lock with Aiden Tolman moving to prop. Dylan Napa is out with a knee injury, which which ironically makes your team stronger. So I think George Tafu is out for, and jo- Josh Schuster is out for the season. Yeah, how about so, the youngster making his debut and then injures his ankle, is out for the season? Yeah, a bit of bad luck. We wish him a speedy recovery. Josh Schuster, big big guy, good skill. Um, a good solid debut last week. Yeah, our back line just looks more dangerous. You know, Hopawadi, Meany, Smith, Zelezniak, like you said, I like the move of Avarillo to 5'8". I think that'll be good with Lachlan Lewis. And I just think the team looks a little bit more well-balanced. Dury, Tumunga on the bench. Wakem, I don't mind Wakem as a bit of a change-up on the bench. He's not fast, but he, he's quite a, a skillful young guy. He reminds me a bit of Alfie Langer without the skill. Or the speed or the tree trunk legs. Correct. He's just a taller version. He's five foot six, is he? <laughs> good old Alf. How was he the most awkwardly effective player ever? Well, and his tackling style was to trip people. Yeah, well, sorry, Cumberland throw, apparently. Look, the, the most Canterbury 2020 thing to happen this game would be that Manly would win and Marty Tapao and Morgan Harper would be the best players on the field. So, okay. You know, the two two Bulldog juniors, and they'd be the they'd be the two best players on the field. I think we'll win this week, finally. I think we've been playing a lot better, but I think we've got enough spark in attack. But if Manly are to win... Watch out for Morgan. <laughs> <and Marty laughs> well, watch out for the Bulldogs. Men of the juniors. match. Men of the match. Oh God. Moving on to one of the games of the round: the Panthers versus the Eels. The Eels have got seven and a half points start. Penrith are a dollar thirty-seven favourites. Parramatta are rank outsiders at three dollars ten. Reed Marnie's been named for the Eels, which surprised me because we thought he was going to be out for a few weeks. But let's see if that com- comes to fruition. Isaiah Yeo returns from a head knock and James Fisher-Harris is moving to prop and Moses Leota moves to the bench. So I think that I think that the Panthers will win this by more than seven and a half points, if I'm being honest, which pains me to say. Mm. I'm looking forward to this game. I think it's going to really show me if the Eels have still got something. 
I've still got a soft spot for the Eels this year. I like when they when they are attacking at their best. They're they're really fun to watch. But like we said, we haven't seen that for a while. But this is the ultimate test, isn't it? So I want Penrith to come out and actually play well, and I want to see what the Eels have got this week. That's what I want to take away from this game. I don't think the way they've been playing, they're going to beat Penrith. Penrith have been incredibly consistent. And I think their team is just so strong. They just have pace, size, height, athleticism, acceleration, power. They've got basically everything you've, you you need. And if you recall the first game, the Panthers actually were the better side on the day. And just Parramatta scored like three tries in seven or eight minutes and won the game. And this is, and this is what I mean. Parra has got it in them. It's just it hasn't been there. Part of me always thinks that they know they're good. They're, they're, they're trying to come into form as the semis come on. They can switch. They're a team that can switch off, I feel, anyway. And if you look at some of their players, they're very passionate. They're edgy. They've they're kind of got that arrogance about them. Um, but I really am looking forward to this game. I think Penrith will win, but I want to see if, if the Eels have got it. If Penrith come to play and play well and the Eels just aren't at the races, the Eels are done for this year, I think. The eels are done. You're calling it, calling it. I think they've got to show something, right? It's time. They're, they're pretty much at full strength. I mean, yes, they're missing their hooker, but, you know, this is a big game. It's close I think it's to a big series. game. I'm not prepared to write them off, though. I want to see something from them. I, I really rate them highly, and I love it when they're, they're in full flow. But they've, been gone, they've gone missing for almost six weeks. So it's, it's time to show up, Para. All right, fighting words from a Doggies supporter whose team's last on the ladder. So if we move on to Super Saturday and Saints versus Canberra, Saints have six and a half points start with Sportsbet. Canberra are $1.39 favourites uh, and St. George are $3 on the sports Sportsbet odds. What do you think about this game, G? I think Canberra will be too good for them. I, I, I think it'll be similar to Saints' probably last two months. Well, I think they generally play okay, like they did against North Queensland, like they did against everyone. They have holes, they have flaws, but they have enough of a good side to hang in the games. But I think, again, they'll be close, but they'll lose. I just think they're missing something. They haven't well, quite Sa- got the Sa- Saints edge. have got Ravalawa out as well. So Cody Ramsey, Co- Cody Ramsey comes in for his debut. Paul Vaughan's returned from suspension. And J- Josh Kerr and Blake Laurie have moved to the bench and Fuu Maiano has dropped out. Raiders are unchanged. You know, the Raiders have been playing really well. I, yeah, I don't know if they could match. The weekend last week didn't show me that they can match these absolute elite sides. They were missing something against the Roosters, but they're too good for these teams like the Dragons and the, you know, um, Cowboys and teams like that. So I, I think they'll beat them. They'll be too good, but I expect it to be close. I don't think they're going to blow them away, and I think the Dragons will give them a run. I think, like I said, Clune's been playing well, he's getting better. He's more comfortable in first grade now, and you know they still got Dufty. Their centers are pretty decent. They've got they've got a decent side, Saints. I just don't know if they're good enough to beat Canberra if Canberra play close to their best. Yeah, I think I think Canberra will win. I can't see Saints winning this game. And Saints have got nothing to play for, right? So the next game, the middle game in Super Saturday, is the Titans versus the Broncos. The Titans are a dollar seventy one favorites. The Broncos are two dollars fifteen. The Broncos have got a two and a half point start on Sportsbet. The Titans won this game thirty to twelve in round seven when they first met. That was at Suncorp. This will be at I think it's Seabus Stadium on the Gold Coast. So this will be a close game. I feel like this will be a close game. This will be another test for the Titans. If they win this, they got three in a row. I think the Titans will win. I think they're really starting to play much better football. And they're very confident 
now in how they're playing. And for some of these teams at the bottom of the ladder, they're too good. They haven't quite gotten to the level of the you know top five or six teams. The Broncos, I think they'll beat them. But the Broncos did play better last week. I'm expecting another decent game from Sean O'Sullivan. Tom Dearden's only 19. He's playing better and better every week. Um, so that's good to see. Good to see the youngsters kind of growing as they're getting more experience. And Sean O'Sullivan was highly rated. So he's he's got some skill. Hopefully Katoni Staggs scores a couple of crazy tries. Just fends people off. Yeah, fends people off. How does Dave Fafita go against his new club? That's a, I don't know. I'll be interested to see that. Maybe he's going to go easy. I will be too. I'll, it'll be interesting to see how he plays in that game. So You don't want to, you know... Um, Smack the crap out of your teammates. Well, maybe you do. Maybe you go, this is this is what you're getting next year. No one will turn up to training. It'll be Dave Fafita and Jim Dimmick only. And <laughs> I think we should rename this podcast to the Jim Dimmick Appreciation Hour. Yeah, it is. Um, I like the fact they've got two the two Jais are now both on the bench. They are. I saw that. I, saw that. I thought you'd like that? that. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. It's <laughs> a Jiathon. It's a Jiathon. But yeah, look, Titans too good. And I think they'll knock them off. Uh, Titans by probably 14. I'm like, oh, you're not close. I don't know. Is that close these days? Like, is no, that, is, no. Isn't? No. Okay, we'll change it. Maybe eight. There you go. Is that better? Okay, tight, Titans by eight. Okay, that's that's your tip, G. All right. Last game of Super Saturday is Roosters versus Knights. Mitch Barnett and Kalen Ponga are both rested for the Knights and Jake Friend's back for the Roosters. The Roosters are $1.15 favourites. Knights are $5.50. Knights have 16.5 points start. Their best back and their best forward is not playing this week for the Knights. I think the Roosters will get this easily. This will be a bit of a training run to tighten some of their rotations for the Roosters and play them into even more form. So I'm with you. I don't. I can't see them losing this game. They're missing Ponga. Although Tex Hoy, that's a great name. Tex Hoy is a great name. Yeah, sounds like a character, a Toy Story or something. Edric Lee's back as well. Edric Lee's back, so it's good to see him back. Um, Tor Gangly um, winger. And um, I like Stafford Toa. I like his speed and his footwork. He's good to watch. He's good fun. And Mason Lienor had a, a couple of good moments last weekend. So, But mate, they don't have the class. I mean, I mean Angus Crichton, Sonny Bill... Nat Butcher's been fantastic for the Roosters. Oh, that poor Sunny Bill. They'll give him an extra minute. Those fifteen minutes, he's going to be on the field. Again. He'll be Amazing. doing. He'll do five burpees only as a warm up, and then he'll play an extra two minutes on the field. I'll tell you who I really, really like from the Roosters. It doesn't get much of a mention. Jim Dimmick. Jim Dimmick. Yeah, Jim Dimmick will be the man of the match for for the Titans. Um, Isaac Liu. I think he's a fabulous player. He's sensational. Mate, the Roosters, they're, they're a good side, mate. Cover to cover to cover. Great, great side. Yeah, too good, T. I, yeah, I, I think they'll win this easily, and I think they'll win by 20. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, moving on to the games on Sunday. Uh, Melbourne versus the Cowboys first up. Melbourne are $1.10 favourites. Cowboys are $7. Cowboys have 18-point start on Sportsbet. Um, for the Storm, Pappenheisen's been rested. So in comes Nico Hines, who did so well when he came in the other week. So they've just got next man up uh, mentality, the Storm. But Sanusi Vunivalu is back as well, um, who replaces Isaac Lume Lume, who I think has been playing quite well as well. So they got Asofa Solomona back as well. Um, and Riley Jacks is the new, fa- new face on the bench with Chris Lewis omitted. So same 17 for Josh Hannay. Uh, I can't see Melbourne losing this. And, and I think they'll win by a bit. 
I actually think this will be a close game. Melbourne will win, but I think they'll, they'll only win by eight to ten points, I think, because I, I, Nico Hines is a very skillful player, and I think he's he, he's really... He plays slow in that he's got good passing and ability to put plays through gaps and stuff like that, but he doesn't have the same punch and pace that Pappenheisen adds. And I think Pappenheisen constantly attacks, right? So I can't see Melbourne running up a massive score as a result. I love the enthusiasm the Cowboys had last week against the the fully decked out Red Dragons. One of your favourite games this season, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I was concentrating on the, the Dragons' um, uniforms. Fantastic. I just think they they still have a little bit of enthusiasm. It seems like they're enjoying playing under Josh Hannay. That's good because Todd Payton's going to be the coach. I know. But, you know, it's a good end to the season. Maybe they just had enough of um, playing under Paul Green. It's freed them up a little bit. And I think they'll perform quite well. The Cowboys, they, they, they are playing a little bit better at times. So I do think they'll give them a run, but not enough. they're not good enough to beat Melbourne. So I'd say Melbourne will probably win by 8 to 10. But it's not going to... I don't think... I disagree with you. I don't think they'll belt them. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. I think it'll, I think it'll be in the 18, 20 point range. Oh, okay. You're going for the yeah. flogging. All right. Yeah, I think I think it'll be... I think when I look... At, even on paper, even with Nico Steins and all the rest of it, I, I go, this is a three-try better team than the Cowboys. And the Cowboys, whenever they have to travel anywhere, are terrible. I know this is not a long trip down to Queensland, but but let's see how it goes. Oh, Nico Hines, game... a home ground. Sunshine Coast Stadium from the beaches of Noosa. That's right. He's, that's he's, right. He's, Maybe he's had a haircut. It's possible. So the last game of round 18 is Cronulla versus the Warriors. Your guess is as good as mine with these teams. Cronulla are $1.50 favourites. Warriors are $2.60. The Warriors are getting five and a half points start. Oh, mate, your guess is as good as mine. There is a lot of team changes for the Sharks. Sean Johnson's back in, replacing Chad Townsend. Um, after we gave him a wrap, uh, Braden Trindle's moved out. So Sean Johnson's partnering Connor Tracy. CSC for Talakai moves into the starting side to replace Wade Graham. And Toby Rudolph is again named to start at lock for Scott Sorensen. Katoa returns from a chest injury on the wing, pushing Bryson Goodwin into a retirement home. And Andrew Fafita has been named on the interchange bench. The Warriors, other than George Jennings and Daniel Alvaro, returning look unchanged. I give up. I'm not tipping this week. Oh, who knows, mate? The Sharks, I've retired. I I love Sean Johnson. He's the greatest, but do you know what? I don't know what they're going to do. I've stopped. I mean, because of that, you know, the five and a, the Warriors might be good value at $2.60 because, you know, you just don't know which Sharks team's going to show up. I'll tell you what, there's a bit riding on this, though. If the Warriors win this game, they're only two points behind the Sharks, two games to go. It does throw open that last spot in the eight. It's actually a big game. Look, if I'm really honest, I don't know what Sharks team will turn up. I am. I know they won without... SJ, Sean Johnson, a couple of weeks ago. But I really think without Sean Johnson, they're just not the same. And I don't know if he's, he's right. I mean, injuring a groin isn't the best thing. No, no, injuring right? a groin is not the best thing. I think that's deep NRL physio analysis there. Oh, it's great. That, this is, I think you're injured. Okay. <laughs> and that's it. Or you're unfit. We need to amputate your leg. It was a shoulder injury. <laughs> it's... I, I thought I think the Warriors are just playing better and more consistently, so I'm tipping them only for that reason. And it is a big I, game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, I, big game. I think the Warriors could get up, and I think they're good value on the sports tab at two dollars sixty as well. A sports bet. They win close to the semis. So in a way, I'm hoping they win to actually make that fight for the eight last a couple more weeks. 
Well, that's right. That's right. Everyone, everyone gets locked and loaded if Cronulla win that game. So yeah, pretty much. Oh, I do have an update before we we sign out this week. I have an update for my men of league. I've added two more two more players. Okay. Actually, a player and a coach. I'm very apprehensive about this. I we, we I, I'm not aware of this. So, so let's let's go. So I'm gonna, no, we're gonna add two more two more um, characters to my men of league. I'm gonna build up to eighteen. So so far, who we've got? We've got Sean Johnson, Sunny Bill. Sonny Bill, Vunivalu, Scott Sorensen. Yes. Okay. And I'm going to add Todd Payton. He's the coach. Oh, because you think you look like him. That's no. why you've added him. No. I'm not have accepting you, this. Have you I'm seen not the accepting other, this. Have you seen the other coaches? I'm not. Have you seen the other coaches? Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns was better. Is that Wayne Bennett? Yes. Wayne Bennett. Wayne Bennett is Mr. Burns. <laughs> Trent Barrett's an assistant at the moment. He, he could probably... Factor into that, but he's an assistant. I don't think um, Paul McGregor was going to go. There. I don't think Dean Young is a candidate. Wayne Bennett, Des Hasler, Desi, yeah, yeah, Desi. Like, hello. I don't think there's much competition here. Ivan Cleary. Oh my there's not God, much happening. You because you think you look like Todd Payton, you've had to throw him in. He's a better looking version. He's a better looking version of me, Todd Payton. Wayne Bennett is a better looking version of you. Oh, geez, that's... Oh, God. That, oh, far out. Maybe that's why I got divorced. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> well, else have you got? <laughs> and the other one, I've got a, a shout-out to the boy bands, but Lachlan Lewis. Oh, please. Absolute, absolute boy band candidate. He looked like he would. He was in Take That. Mate, his uncle was NC. better. That Wally. Bald, baldness, Moe. Mate, that was a thing in the 80s. No way. So, Lachlan Lewis... Um, as a boy band, one of the boy band members. I, 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 okay, guys, this you got a better, you got a better candidate than that. I don't look at footy players like that. I'm You've okay. You've got nothing then. to say to that. You've got nothing to say to that. Okay. Number two. All right. How do we top a segment like that with your men of league? We're up to how many people are we up to on your men of league now? Six. Although David David Norfoluma, I have to assess his candidacy in the next couple of weeks. Are you going to be hanging out at the car park at Leichhardt Oval, just no, hoping no. David Norfoluma comes out? I'll, I'll go <laughs> to I'll go to the ground to watch um, David Norfoluma, and I'll probably leave at halftime. I do want to say though that Josh Reynolds and didn't pick this. Josh Josh Reynolds and Russell Packer have been named on the extended squad. So do you think that they're actually going to leave at halftime again? I think if they left at halftime, they could only play better. It's good. Um, so, yeah, another two additions. Maybe David Norfoluma. So we're up to six now. Okay, great. All right. Well, that brings us to a close of this week's podcast. We'll be back again with you next week to cover the soap opera that is the world of rugby league. Thanks for joining us and thank you, G. Thanks, T. See you next week. See ya.